On the line today is uh, is an old friend of the podcast, coach, runner, teacher, awesome dad, Mr. Patrick Gallagher. All right. Hey, it's kind of weird not being in your living room or the garage and doing this. This feels a little weird. I feel I feel distant. It doesn't feel as social. Huh. Mm, a, there should a, be a phrase for that, I think. A social distance. I wonder if anybody's coined that yet. Well, I don't know if they haven't. Probably should. That's that. That could be a word. That could be a word of the year, right there. That could be the phrase of the year. <laughs> it could be. So, how it are you be. doing? Uh, let's just say that this is not what I expected for my week. Like, you know, penciling in things for my week. Everything that's happened was definitely not part of the agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in, in in brief, it has been quite the wild ride. Uh, yeah, it has been an absolutely wild ride. So by day, you're a teacher. How has that yeah. changed things? Uh, we could have a whole entire separate podcast about what it has been like to go from teaching in the classroom to teaching virtually. I teach uh, a lot of AP classes. That's the main class I teach is AP English. And, uh, you know, now the AP exam is online. We've been practicing all year, my students, and uh, to take it, you know, pen and paper. And now it's going to be digital. It's a brand new um platform that they're building there's all of this and now the 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 kids ap scores are going to be based on only one essay so all or nothing one essay is going to decide their entire ap exam score uh and that's supposed to be representative of everything they learned in class this year it's yeah and it's just you know there's no real structure there in the sense of like here's here's the new platform here just turn key here's how you run your class here's you know like Blackboard and campus and all these other things that are mm-hmm. out there, um, you know, we don't have that as a as a district, and so um, I, I I'm gonna stop myself because I could talk about that forever and ever and ever. The main thing is is I miss my students mm-hmm. so much. I love what I do. I've been doing it. This is the my 23rd year teaching. I I still love my job. Every single day when I go to work, I love my job. You know, sometimes there are things that happen that I don't love. But my job itself and like what I get to do, I love. And I feel really, 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 really lucky to be able to say that after 23 years, I still love my job. And I can't ask for anything more than that. But right now, it's it's wild in the sense of just trying to get everything ready for the AP exam and, and students. And then, I, you know, students and availability of technology and, uh, you know, what situations they're going in there. You know, the parents, you know, losing jobs and, you know, and somebody sending them an email saying, hey, have you uh, have you checked out this week's assignment? I can't even imagine. Yeah. It's just life in the time of COVID-19, you know, <laughs> and it's I'm, just. I'm sure it's difficult on both ends of the spectrum. Exactly. And I'm, I mean, I have two children and, you know, my daughter is a junior in high school. My son is an eighth grader. Middle school is already hard enough. Right. Right. You remember those years? <laughs> and then you throw this into the mix. They're hard and super awkward and, and just, ah, and then you throw this into the mix for like middle school kids. And then, you know, a junior, she was going to go to the junior prom. She was going to go to the prom. She was going to do all this other stuff, like looking forward to these things. So yeah, remember that school is also like the main social epicenter of, you know, kids' lives. Yeah. So sure, there's the learning stuff, but you know, now they can't go out hanging hang out with their friends. They don't see their friends. They're locked in their house with their family 24-7. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't want to remind him what, I, what kind of mood I would have been in, what kind of kid I would have been in if I was 16, 17 years old and just locked in my house <laughs> with my family all the time. Fueled by spite. <laughs> and right, and I get that as a genetic predisposition. So now you've got an entire household right. of Gallagher's running around fueled by spite. And no way to really yeah. uncork that. Nope, not legally. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> Bottled spite. I'm just saying, Shameless would have had some new storylines. I'm just saying. All like, right. it just happened. <laughs> the Gallagher's on Shameless, you know, and the Gallagher's in, when I was 16 and 17, if we were all on lockdown. <laughs> yeah, the Gallagher's during COVID. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, that, uh, yeah. So it's been wild and crazy as a teacher and, mm-hmm. and as a parent, you know, sitting here seeing it um, from both angles and what my my kids are going through and, and then what my students are going through and what me as a teacher, yeah, it's it's wild. And then, of course, you know, running and yeah. being a coach and yeah. doing group runs and, and things like that and being a race director, you know, uh, the fiasco, you know, the event that is just so near and dear to my heart, canceled, gone, poof. I mean, right now I should be out in the woods putting out controls for the fiasco tomorrow. Yeah, that was this weekend. Yeah, it, tomorrow. The fiasco was supposed to be tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, the universe went <laughs> to all the fiasco runners because it's literally going to be like the coldest first weekend in May in almost recorded history. And, and, that's, and that's a great way to start a race in Florida. Right. Well, compared to the idea that part of the, the trouble of the challenge rather of the uh, fiasco is, is that it's generally like the first truly hot weekend of the year and you haven't had a lot of time to train in the heat mm-hmm. you know to get acclimated and so yeah so everybody would have had you know now on the other side it, is, it looks like it's got like an 80 percent chance of rain so that could have been fun <laughs> right. uh you know for you just <laughs> pouring down rain <laughs> while trying to find the controls in the fiasco yeah and get your phone out and take pictures. Right, exactly. Like, you have to have the tech in the middle of a rainstorm. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about that in that, that site. Oh, oh, I would have loved to have t- sat there in the truck at some point and just watched people go by. Right. All nice and warm and dry in the truck with just, like, my phone and just make videos of everybody going by. That was... <laughs> Wouldn't that be extra special? I mean, it's silly, right? Oh, the the uh, the the stunk ape would have had to wear a, uh, a <laughs> yeah, a rain jacket. A rain jacket. <laughs> Can I have an umbrella? No, skunk apes don't own umbrellas in the wild. Oh, oh my gosh! I would have gotten you like big old rubber boots, <laughs> <laughs> some galoshes. Yes, <laughs> that would have been a sight to see. I would have gone to Walmart and gotten a pair of, like, the largest pairs. Maybe some hip waders. <laughs> Thank you for that image. I, I really needed that. Yeah. <laughs> and for everyone at home who's listening who has no idea about the fiasco or what the fiasco is, there is a podcast or two about previous iterations of the fiasco. Go listen to them. Oh, God. Just suffice to say, it's ridiculous, it's silly, and it is an absolute blast. Mm. Maybe for the participants, not in the moment, but afterwards, it was a blast. It's some serious type uh, two fun. It seriously is. And if you're, if you're Kip, apparently, it goes all the way to type three for a little while there when he happened to be peeing blood. But, you know, who's, right. who's keeping track? 
after you get out of the hospital, then you can start unpacking some of that. Then you start laughing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and, you, and especially when you realize it's not the morphine, you know, it, right. it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fiasco is, is, is so much fun and such silliness and just, uh, it's breaking my heart a bit that that's gone. You know, the Monday night runs yeah. where we get to hang out with everybody, uh, you know, and run and just for kicks, starting off our weeks and hanging out at Cypress and Grove and having some recovery beverages and talking trash and just, you know, gone. The track workouts, the progression runs, the tipples runs, the bacon strip and all of that with friends and, yeah. and people together and the trail runs, you know, it was, it's almost time when I should be starting course tours for gate to gate, you know, and that's just, true. you know, and, and, and none of that's going to happen. You know, it's just, yeah, man, life in the time of COVID, it, you know, it's and wild. that was plenty of, and that was plenty of crazy and weird and, and, and everything stress-inducing. That was weird enough. But 2020 would not be denied, <laughs> even on a personal level. Nope. 2020 is like, so we've got uh, COVID-19. Uh, everybody remember the Australian brush fires? No, me either. All right, so forget those. we got COVID-19. Uh, we got all this stuff, uh, you know, some particular, you know what, we're going to give you two hours of some particularly interesting news conferences nearly daily. Uh, there may be talk of injecting disinfectant, you know, whatever. We're going to keep it open. Yeah, we're going to try a little then, bit of everything. We're going to try a little bit of everything. We're going to, we're going to, you know, possibly try to get light inside the body. You know, it's going to be a lot of things uh, that we're going to put at you. Uh, and when that starts to die down, meanwhile, we're going to throw in some distractions like Joe Exotic and Tiger King. So here's Tiger King, uh-huh. you know, where you can think like my life isn't at least not as crazy as that. And then murder hornets, mm-hmm. you know, just like, hey, you know, just to make things interesting, murder hornets. Yeah. And for those of us in the running world who love the oatmeal, it reminded me to go back and reread his little book about, you know, why I run long distances, you know, and right. there's a whole section in there about the eight giant Asian hornets and being t- where he has the illustrations of Godzilla coming out of the water, seeing <laughs> one of the hornets doing a double middle finger and going, nope, none of that, and turning around and going back into the ocean. Uh, do you ever feel like we're part of some sort of weird social experiment? I, right now, yes. Right now, yes. It's just like, <laughs> it's like, I, okay, I'm going to admit to a lot of geekery right now. It's like when I was a kid and you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the, the, the goofiest kid in the group who always wanted to be DM, but we never let him, finally gets to be DM, and he's just throwing everything at you. Right. And he's just like, and now, a specter. And you know, like, what? Where did that come from? What? Wait, wait, a race? What do you mean a race? What do you mean it's got magical armor? What? You know, and like, and every single time you turn around, there's something else, and you're like, this is not fun, bro. This is terrible. You know, and, <laughs> right. and just, this makes absolutely like, no sense. Right, and then in D and I remember one time that happened. Once again, geekery. You know, I had this. Uh, he was a mage, and I, you know, I got. He was leveled up. I forget the numbers, but he was pretty powerful, and I had been, you know, pretty proud of him. And this doofus was running the friggin' thing while we were hiding from <laughs> from bullies in the library during lunch. Anyway, and so he was running the the campaign, and he and my mage got killed because of his idiocy. And I was like, what? I hate you. You know, it's a whole big. It was a scene in the D and D world back then. Anyway, <laughs> this is what it feels like. It feels like the the other dungeon master stepped in and was like, 
<laughs> Here you go, kids. Here you go. Here you go. Here I got a go. few uh, ideas up my sleeve. I'd like to unveil them right now. You know, I've been working on a couple special things, boss. What do you say, murder ornaments? Huh? Huh? Yes. Oh, my God. And next, yeah, so the sodomy geese. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? But at the same time, when you said that, there was a moment where I went, the what? wait those are that's a thing because that's what the world we're living in right now where you hear something you're like that's not a thing and then you're like oh wait never mind (laughs) oh oh, it's real okay that's cool oh that's a real that's a that's an actual thing okay all right well uh yeah okay moving right along okay so so virtual coaching how's that working out it's going pretty well you know i mean you know, I, I do have people who had already been, uh, that I've been coaching virtually, you know, who, you know, so I've had some experience doing that. And uh, so that's been going well. That's fine. You know, being able to work with people, it's always really interesting to be able to work with somebody who lives in a different state, for example, you know, or way south Florida and see their activities every day in the coaching platform and talk back and forth and write plans. And, you know, it, that's, that's actually super exciting. But, it, you know, once again, there was a, there's a dedicated platform and I knew what I was doing on like teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the, the downside is of course, the people who have been in the local group who had been coming to the group runs and coming to, and now having to switch all of them to a, uh, you know, a virtual training program when, what they were really paying for was, you know, the camaraderie of, you know, suffering through a track workout together or, right. you know, cursing me on the hills on uh, the bacon strip, you know, like that's, you know, the camaraderie that's born of, you know, going, F you Gallagher, you know, at the end of the workouts, you know, and it was, it was all love. And I missed that. I miss, I miss being, you know, at the receiving end of several middle fingers at the end of track (laughs) workouts and everything. Love you cat. Um, so, you know, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I miss all of that. Yeah, but the virtual coaching is is going well because thankfully I already had a system for that, and and you know it's it's been going on for a while in the world. So all right, uh, you mentioned fiasco earlier being canceled. Yeah. Um, how does that affect other events that you have coming up, like Gate to Gate? Yeah, Gate to Gate's in a in an absolute holding pattern uh, because the the Park Service has said no events. This period, no events. Okay. And so I haven't been able to turn in, you know, by now I would have, I would have uh, started the paperwork for gate to gate, you know, like we started that generally about six months out. So, you know, April, May, and what I did last year and late year before is like after the fiasco was done. So May, mid-May, I, I would turn in the, the paperwork so that it was totally kosher and cool to start having the, you know, course tours and everything like that because the event had already been submitted and already been approved and, and uh, yeah, now I'm in a, it's in an absolute holding pattern. And um, I really, I really am skeptical that it will be able to go forward. And, and if it does, it certainly won't be the same event that it has been in the past. Cause I imagine that there'll be uh, a lot of stipulations about, you know, a number of people and we're talking about single track trails, Yeah. you know, and, and even though it's five, six months down the road, I, I think we're, we're looking, we're going to be looking down the barrel of some social changes for, for quite some time. I'm sure, you know, uh, because there's, you know, there's immediate liability, you know, somebody somehow, you know, through contact tracing, it turns out that they, the only place they were exposed to somebody who had COVID-19 was at a race. Then there is the possibility that that race would be liable for that. 
Exactly. You know, uh, I have no idea what the the law would be about that, but I I mean, is it a liability? I have all sorts of liability insurance at the events, obviously, but you know, is that something that that's covered? Is that something that someone could raise an issue about? What? Even if it wasn't a legal thing, imagine how heartbreaking and terrible that would feel. Yeah, absolutely. As a race director, right? To find out that someone got sick at your event. Mm-hmm. Even if it, even if there was zero culpability, legally, financially, whatever, right? I would be destroyed, man. Like, that would rock my soul. I would be... Yeah, that would break I would heart. be destroyed. It really would. You know me. You know that. I, it would absolutely break my heart. And, and I would feel terrible. Uh, yeah, I would, I would be, I would be inconsolable about it. Honestly, like mm-hmm. it would just, there's no way I would be able to put myself together after that. And that would probably so, change the face of organized racing as a whole. That's what I'm saying. You know, like until, and I, I don't know, maybe somebody thinks I'm a pessimist or whatever hearing me say this, but I, I think that we're, we're going to be looking down the barrel of some very big systemic changes across the board mm-hmm. in perpetuity, just you know, going forward for the foreseeable future, there are going to be some societal changes for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and, I, and I think that it's warranted and I think it's smart. And I say, you know, uh, what's the old adage? Better safe than sorry, man. You know, in the yeah. sense of like, I'm not, I don't want to put on an event if, it, if there's a chance that someone's going to get sick because maybe, you know, real quick, just to flesh out the thought process because I've already had it, you know. You know, you've paid for a race, and we all get that race fever, right? Where, you know, you, you've trained for months for a race and everything like that, and you wake up a day or two before the race, and you <laughs> and you got a little sore throat, and, you know, you're like, you know, I feel fine, I feel fine. I mean, I've known people to start races with the full-on flu, man. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, going forward with it no matter what. Full-blown I mean, fever, you lace up. Seriously, right? You know, uh, it's fine, it's fine. Because there's so much writing about, you know, the, you know how much work you've done and the money on the line and the travel and that they'll go and do it. And, and I'm not holding that against anybody in, 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 in that way. I'm just saying that it, it is something that people will do. And, you know, so imagine somebody who's like, or somebody who's asymptomatic and is a carrier and doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. And then contact tracing says, oh, well, the only time you were near this person was at this uh, race. That's the only time we can see that you were near this person. Yeah. So how else are you staying busy during this COVID world? <laughs> Funny you should ask, Rob. Yes. Uh, my, my week has been pretty busy. Uh, you know, Do I, tell. My screen, time, my screen time has gone up like I'm sure yours has. I mean, I think everybody, I think Apple needs to um, turn off that screen time analysis at the end of every week. Right. It's Just for a little while. Feel a little guilty? <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, so what's been going on? Do tell. <laughs> wow, you're a great interviewer. That's that's a great open-ended question. Yeah, um, that could, this could go anywhere. <laughs> this could go anywhere. What's been going on? Yeah. So you're talking about the landscaping. You saw the photos on Facebook. You saw when I used the truck. For, is that what you're talking about? My my landscaping that I did when I used the winch on my truck to pull y- yes. that bush out of the ground. You used your top. Yeah, that's so. cool. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just the other day, I went out and ate a taco in the taco. So it was like a, it was like a taco within a taco. It was, it was a meta taco. So all right. Was, uh, so that was your on, Cinco on, de Mayo on Tuesday. That was Taco Tuesday, Cinco de Mayo. The taco in the taco, the meta taco on Cinco de Mayo, Taco Tuesday. I, I you know, I put that together. I didn't post about that because. It, you know, that was a personal experience, you I know understand. what I'm saying? And, and, and sometimes, you know, it's best just to experience it without 
putting it online. You know, right. some things are probably best left offline. For That's instance, been a, something I. <laughs> do you have any examples? Like uh, race uh, results or anything like that, or oh, that yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't more direct. <laughs> I I almost forgot about that. Yeah, Jeez, I'm sure. Is, mm-hmm. Completely. All sorry. right. Yeah, let's yeah let's finally get into the weeds, if you will. Okay. I guess. Let's unpack yeah. all, right, all this. So, <laughs> let's let's start at the beginning. Okay. Um, the year was so 2016. The year was 2016. What we now call before COVID. So four years before COVID. BC. And that's right. Exactly. That's what BC stands for, before COVID. Mm-hmm. And so before the COVID era. Ah, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeez. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, back in 2016, um, I was uh, looking around for a uh, race to qualify for Western States uh, because, you know, and for anybody listening out there, Western States uh, Endurance Run is uh, arguably the most prestigious 100-mile race in the United States and pretty prestigious on the world stage as well. They have a very limited number of slots, 369. Crazy reasons why. You can look it all up. Go Google that. Uh, and but part of the process is each year you got to apply for the lottery, and to apply for the lottery, you have to complete a, an official Western States uh, qualifier. And so for those of us who have the goal to run Western States each year, you look at your race calendar, and one of the major considerations that you have is you know looking for your Western States qualifier that year because you have to requalify every year, and every consecutive year that you requalify, you get more tickets in the lottery. Anyway. So I had originally qualified in 2015 with a, uh, a race that's unfortunately not with us anymore. The old Thunder, uh, the Thunder Rock. Rock 100. Yeah, exactly. Such a great race. Anyway, qualified for that, didn't get in because the odds are astronomically not in your favor. Um, and so 2016, I was looking around. I didn't want to travel too far. And so I found one in Georgia, and it was called the Georgia Death Race. And, of course, you know, it was great marketing. The title is fantastic in that sense, you know. There was this whole thing about how difficult it was. It was going to be on this really notoriously uh, difficult trail called the Duncan Ridge Trail in North Georgia outside of Vogel State Park and near near the beginning of the Appalachian Trail. You know, lots of really, really cool aspects of the race. Mm -hmm. So I was like, cool, it's right there. And this was, you know, all you had to do was just get online at the right time and and sign up because it did sell out pretty fast then, even then. So I entered the, you know, Georgia Death Race as my Western States qualifier. And so I went and ran the race, and the race director was, I, you know, he was, he was his own guy, you know, and, and, and he was making some posts that, you know, getting near the race even, I was, I was just put off by the tone of a lot of the things, and I was like, ugh. But man, I'd already paid, coming back to this, this whole thing, right? Like, I'd already paid my entry fee, I already made my arrangements, I already had my crew, like, it wasn't just me, like, other people were setting aside their lives who were going to be there to crew me and pace me in this race, all these types of things. Right. And so I just said to myself, you know, I'm not a big fan of this guy, but, you know, whatever, I'm probably not going to have anything to do with him personally, you know, and ever really see the race director at the race type of thing. And, you know, once I'm done with the race, then I won't have to deal with him. That was my thought process. <clears throat> this is this is what's called in the literary world foreshadowing. Oh, anyway. dun, dun, dun. Yeah. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the English teacher in me, it never goes away. Anyway. I go and I run the race and, you know, cruise in there and do everything. And, and I was, I had a pretty decent day out. It wasn't a spectacular day for me, but I had a good day. And 
I finished in well below the cutoff time for a Western States qualifier. That was great. You know, one of the big things about this race is you carry this rusty old railroad spike for you. It's the shtick of the race. You carry the railroad spike, and at the end, you get to trade in your rusty, dingy railroad spike for a uh, railroad spike with Georgia Death Race engraved on it. And then, you know, people really, you know, dig it, and it's a unique, weird type of thing, and everybody talks about getting their spike. So I got my spike, and, you know, and then the race was over, man. You know, it was, like, cool. And I entered the Western States Lottery, didn't get in, obviously. Uh, it took four more, three, no, two, three more years, whatever it was. Uh, and I was lucky enough to get in, and I and I got to run Western States in, in 2008. So anyway, that was that. That was my experience at Georgia Death Race. Um, unfortunately, I, I, you know, in a sense, I, I, I kept seeing posts by the race director. He was posting in different online forums and other race forums, you know, races that he wasn't part of or in any way, but just jumping in and saying things. And, and the tone and the things that he said, it was just a put off. And, you know, and I just said, you know, I'm not a fan. You know, this guy rubs me the wrong way. And I'm sure we all have people who think that about us, except for you, Rob. I have never met anybody who would say that about you. But other people, us <laughs> other mortals in this world, right. uh, us mere mortals, <laughs> You know, we just have to accept that they're just going to be people who are not our fans and you move on, you know, and you, you, and you know, you assess though. Part of that is assessing, like, did I do anything wrong for right. this person, you know, who's not a fan and, you know, and then if you didn't, then you let it go. And if you did, you, you know, you make amends. But anyway, I digress. So you, um, you know, fast forward, he decides to bring a race. This was, you know, a year and a half ago. He decides to bring a race to Florida and with bringing the race to Florida, he brought his style of promotion. And his particular style is his races are the best. They are the most epic races. Yes. And he, he's in, and that was his thing. He was like, finally, the runners in Florida will have an epic race to run. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Because there was a There's one before so, that. That's exactly, man. And, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about all my race director friends that I love, who, who I've, you know, come to be really good friends with, who put on these amazing events. And... And here's the thing about that word epic, man. It is such a subjective word, all right? I can have an epic 5K. Dude, what about your first 5K? When you did that couch to 5K years ago, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to right now, whether you, I, I hope you agree with I'm going to say, that was epic, man. That was absolutely epic, period. And I will, I will die on that hill, all right? Yeah, you know? and you were there you, for that one. <laughs> I, that's right. That was a... Uh, 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 LGAA, right? Yeah, that was Ironwood, uh, 2014, maybe? Yeah, that's right. That was your first 5K. It was. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? Like, that was absolutely epic. And it, and it was, it, it upset me because I know about experiences like your, I have my own, but, you know, I, I love living vicariously through other people's amazing achievements. I'm a, I'm a teacher, man. I've been doing this for 23 years, like I said before, and I race direct and I coach and I, because I love that feeling of being near somebody who the light bulb goes on or they do something they never thought they could do or they achieve something. Like, dude, that's my drug, right? That's my drug. And, and you've seen me get all sorts of giddy crazy for people, and you know that. So... Exactly. So when he starts saying that there are no other epic races in Florida, who is he to say that? That's not okay, man. That's not okay on so many levels. And so, and he started talking about, you know, the race directors in Florida should be embarrassed. No, should be ashamed. That was the word he used. The other race directors in Florida should be ashamed by how excited people are for my race. Mm. 
And he, and he literally was like something about friends don't let friends run on the side of a, a road. Oh yeah, no, it did, and he he was he was down. He was trash talking. That's his style. I'll call it that, right? So he was trash talking looped courses because his race was going to be point to point. And so he's it, to make his race the best. That means all the other races in his mind have to be denigrated. And so he builds up his races by putting all the other races down. And so, you know, he starts talking trash about looped races. I looped races can be epic, right? I mean, any, uh, have you heard of this little event called Biggs? Right. That's a loop race. <laughs> yeah. And that's a pretty epic are race. You gonna, are you going exactly, to try and tell me that Biggs is an epic? Seriously, seriously. And so this, these were my reactions. And so, you know, I I post respectfully online, you know, like, hey, man, you know, that's not cool. Calling races, you know, there are plenty of great races and there are plenty of the epic things. And, you know, and it's just, you know, it's not cool to come in here and bash other people's races. And uh, he took offense to that. He got upset about that. And so he sent me this long text message, uh, Facebook message. And started talking about, I don't know why you got so much hate for me. You know, what's all this hate you got? Trust me, I don't even know you, you know. Uh, and I don't understand why you got this much hate for me in your heart. You know, that's going to eat you up. You know, da 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 you got so much hate. I don't understand it. I do trail work, okay? So I don't understand why you hate me. All right. I'm doing good things. I do this. I'm going to work with the trailer associate. I require volunteer hours for my events. So therefore, you can't hate me. All right. I don't understand. I do trail work. Okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> like that qualifies all that bad behavior. Right. I mean, but that, that obviously I was unaware, but that is the delineating factor between good and bad is if you do trail work. Hmm. And he, he even wrote a line at one point where he said, uh, I have to, I have, you know, the Florida Trail Association is so thankful and I'm like, I've, I've been teaching them how to maintain trails. Okay. I saw a photo from that time period, mm. uh, which, uh, in which he was out on the trails with a chainsaw, uh, in shorts, a t-shirt, uh, no eye protection, uh, no leg protection at all. Uh, and here's the thing. When you go out and work on the trails, what you do in your own backyard is your own thing. Hey, man, watch this. You know, go to town. You want to juggle a chainsaw in your backyard wearing nothing but a banana hammock. Have fun. Make a video. Become famous for it. Knock yourself or a limb off. You know, just whatever. Just, but when you're on trails, and I, and I am on the board of directors for the Friends of San Velasco Community Support Organization, and we have very strict regulations about what people wear when you go out and you do trail work mm -hmm. in, uh, as part of the state park service. And, and you know, in, in state parks, you're supposed to wear eye protection when you're, wearing, when you're using a chainsaw. Yes. You know, there's leg protectors that you're supposed to be wearing. Yep. Face you have to protectors, wear chaps. Be honest. Right. Exactly. Like the, the chainsaw chaps. Exactly. Right. And you, uh, you know, and officially, once again, you can do whatever you want in your backyard. Officially, you do need to have something on underneath those chainsaw chaps. But if you want to wear those chainsaw chaps, commando in your backyard, I hope you have a privacy fence. But go to town, <laughs> you know? But, you know, it was just like, that's not OSHA, brother. You know, I'm like looking at these posters. And that's a petty thing. Sure, you can call, somebody can call me out on it, whatever. 
But if you're officially working with the Florida Trail Association and you're being a steward of the parks and a steward of an organization, then you should be a model of safety and and uh, proper procedure. Exactly. That's I'm going to get off that soapbox. That's a separate thing, you know. But but and once again, I'm seeing these things, and for the most part, I'm just rolling my eyes. In all honesty, like, oh God, really? Come on, man. And that's that's the extent of my response. So then, he, you know, he gets upset because I, I say, hey, it's not cool for you to do blah, 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 blah. And it was never anything more than that. I mean, anybody can go through any of my Facebook posts or any of my online comments. And, and I don't bash people and I don't, you know, rail at someone. I can't believe you said that. You know, I'm not, I don't have the energy for that. It's not your you know, style. Plus I'm an AP, and I'm an AP English teacher. It looks bad on my resume if I have, you know, grammatically incorrect texts or, you know, <laughs> things like that. But, uh, you know, anyway. They check. They check. I've, I've heard that. They'll, they'll get you, man, one way or the other. Because of the tracker. They, they track you. I'm telling you, all right? Those squiggly red lines that show up every time, red pill, blue pill, what are the two colors that they use in Microsoft Word, huh? Red squiggly, blue squiggly. I don't want you to give me any kind of suggestion about my grammar, okay? Just saying. I'm like, red, blue, I'm just delicious word salads i do and i you know what you know what i don't even want to know what laz's word looks like you know when he opens up a word document but ain't nobody gonna tell him he does it wrong all right i'm just saying i'm just saying there's another way they try to control you with red pill blue pill either way they get you anyway i digress so i send him this long te- uh, facebook message back you know going hey man you know the way you promote your races is as you do you okay but at the same time these are these are the things that I find problematic about the way that you do this, like you know, bashing other races and denigrating other race directors, and to, and I laid it all out, you know, just objectively and without anything, and uh, I spent a lot of time writing that. It was a long response. His response, okay, good luck, with like ten U's in it, exclamation point. Okay, and then he de- banned me on, he blocked me on Facebook. Uh, blocked me on all social media, on Instagram, everything like that. And then uh, I was banned from his any of his races. And I was like, okay. All right. All right. Well, you try to reach somebody, you try and make your points, and you can't make other people, you know, listen to you. You can't, right? You do and I know that that goes. I, I know that goes against Twitter's business model, but <laughs> you can't. Uh, you can't. <laughs> can't change other people. You know that. You know. You can't just blunt force change other people's minds. Anyway, in all honesty, that was the end of it for me. I, I was like, whatever. I'm just, sure, you know it. You know, I, I, I'm an opinionated guy. I have opinions. And, you know, if somebody asked me, I would be like, that guy. And I would talk about the race director's name, Sean Blanton. I don't want it to sound like I'm sitting here beating around the bush in some sort of big reveal. Sean Blanton, who goes by the online moniker of Runbum. Because that's what he chose to name his professional business was Run Bum. Anyway, um, and so he, he literally refers to himself in third person as Run Bum. Uh, uh, take that for what you will. I would just I'll just leave that right here. Gotcha. Talking about himself in the third person, calling himself Run Bum. Um, and so you know, if somebody asked me, I would say yeah. But and and, and please be honest. Did you ever? Because I know you like to poke the bear every now and again, and you would bring it up just to get me fired up and hear me tell the story all over again. <laughs> um, did you, and I'll admit to that. I'm human. Yeah. Right? Um, 
did you ever once hear me try and tell some to tell somebody that they should not do his races? No, you never said that once. And in did fact, I ever, a, a lot of yeah. your you know your your coaching clients ran his races, and and you would happily train them for those races. Absolutely, absolutely. And I liked and loved and commented on all of their posts on Facebook when they were you know at, at GDR and they'd finish or they'd do this or they had some epic experience up there. You know, I trained people, I encouraged them, I, you know, I never once looked at somebody and said, man, you shouldn't do that race. That's stupid. I hate that guy. You know, da, 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 Never. Not and even once. Wild Florida, Wild Florida 120. I had four, four clients and, and more friends doing that race and I supported every single one of them. The only thing I did say is I said, I, I, I have to be honest, I, I don't feel comfortable coming out and being a crew member for this. I will, I will coach you, I'll train you, and I'll get you ready and everything like that. But uh, I, I'm just, I'm not going to support his event by showing up. And so that was the only caveat I got because I, yeah. I don't like the guy. And I, and I was like, I, I don't want to be around him. And plus that might reflect poorly on your runners. Yeah, you know, because then who, and right, once again, this guy, you never know, right? Like, does he start judging other people? I mean, would we put that past him knowing what we know now? Uh, you know, judging other people because they were my clients or they were my friends. I, I just didn't want anybody's experience to be diminished in any way by me being there. So I politely just told, that was the only caveat. I trained everybody. And by the way, every single one of my runners who I was coaching finished the Wild Florida 120. Every single one of them. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's on them. That's on them. I'm just saying, like, on them, like, every single one of them, they all got their buckle, you know, and I have, once again, supported the hell out of them as, as best as I could. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. a, I do what I can, you know, and I, I'm not, not claiming that I'm phenomenal in any way in that sense, but I, I supported my runners, I supported my friends, even people who I didn't coach, I was giving advice to. There's a, you know, David Oppenheimer, you know, you know him, and, and, you know, and he, he would come to me, right, and he would, you know, buy me a beer at Tipples after the run, and he would be like, you know, I just want to ask you a few questions. And I, yeah, man, you don't even have to buy me a beer. You know, get me talking about running, and, and uh, I'm going to give away. A, I have a terrible business model, okay? Let's just be very clear about this. I am a very terrible generous. businessman. <laughs> I, if you want to go for a run, if you want to ask me what to do in an ultra, if you want to, you know, I'll say, hey, these are the things. I've done a few. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you my experiences and say, you know, here's, and if you want me to come out and crew, I'll come out and crew. I'll be there all day and all night, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, I have a terrible business model. I don't charge for any of that, like, <laughs> in that sense. And uh, hi, clients. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, no, really, I, I saved some information for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh no! I uh, oh wait, I got a notification. Oh, oh. oh, I have one last client. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, there goes that business model. There goes that business model. Hey, I have an idea, and I'm just going to throw this out there, guys. What do you think? I'm just spitballing. Let's throw it on the wall and see what sticks. Okay. How about if we just give away all of our advice for free? What do you say? What do you say? You think that was a transcript from a recent uh, two rules running board meeting, <laughs> which is me using different voices talking to myself around the table. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a win-win. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm glad, like I said, I wanted you to be completely honest. I have never told anyone to not run his races. I've never said you shouldn't run that race. Not That's a word of discouragement. If somebody brought it up, I, I would roll my eyes and go, well, 
I'm not a big fan of the race director. And, and, and I would lay out my reasons like, this is why I'm not a fan. And somebody would say, well, yeah, you know, but uh, I really want this. And I'd be like, then, buddy, then that's what we're going to do. We'll get you ready. You know? Then I'm going to do everything I can. You want that railroad spike? You want that belt buckle? You want the, you know, we run for such silly, inane reasons sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's powerful in reasons, but I mean, objectively, belt buckles, really? Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's funny. So, yeah, I helped every single one of those people do that. So, um, so that brings us more or less up to the present day. Uh, so this guy had blocked me and banned me and told me never to show up at any of his races, all this other stuff. I'm like, okay. So life in the time of COVID comes. And uh, I don't know about you, man, but my email inbox has never looked like it does right now. A, and I'm not even talking about like now that I have to communicate with my students only via email, pretty much, right? Like when they have questions, they send me emails. So I'm, I'm answering so many emails. But I, every single company whose website I've ever been to, apparently I told you they were going to get you. They were tracking you. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them has sent me an email about how they uh, realize that this is an unprecedented time and this is what we are doing in the time of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so many emails, so many emails, so many emails. So one night, uh, it was April 17th, and I know that now because of screenshots, shots, shots, shots. Anyway. <laughs> um, the shart rang round the world. <laughs> I was sitting on my side porch after a run and I pull up my phone, you know, I, I, I have a little Strava addiction, you know, so I pull up my phone to, you know, look at that. And then, uh, uh, I, I see, you know, I got some emails. So I open up my email inbox while I'm cooling down on the side porch, drinking some water. And I see an email from Sean Blanton. And I was like, what? Why am I getting an email? I should be blocked. Right. And I was like, well, I wonder what this is all about. And so I opened it up and I, and I read, I read the whole thing. <laughs> and I, I, even though after the first paragraph, I was like, eh, you should stop. This is not worth your time. This isn't good. And, uh, Shut it down. And I, and I, but I was like, well, you know, maybe I should, you know, give it a chance. Whatever. Well, you know, I don't know. We all watched Tiger King for probably the same reasons I read that email. So anyway, Curiosity I read the, the email. It did. And so I read the whole thing, and it was just bragging about the Florida Trail FKT. And, was, you know, and I'm going to be sending out Stoke letters every week and doodly-boo. And, you know, it's been hitting my business real hard, but my merchandise store is open and, you know, you could help support the run bum, talking about himself in the third person by a self-given moniker, um, to help support the run bum by buying shirts. And, you know, I said, you know, doing shirts and he gives some backstory about he used to try and sell shirts out of the back of a van down by the river. I don't remember the details. And I, and I was just like, ah. And I admit I will own this every direction possible, Okay. What I should have done is what I had been doing for so many things of his over the years. I, I should have just deleted it and moved on and just ignored it, mm-hmm. reported it as spam in my Gmail and called it a day. But, but. <laughs> here's in the this caveat. Time of COVID, in, this, in this time of COVID, I was just, I'm, I was feeling a little peckish, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and so 
I was like, you know what? I'm not, you know, and unsubscribe just seems too impersonal. Uh, whatever. And so I wrote an email. I don't even know how many words, but I should probably count the number of words. I wrote this email that said, I'm not even vaguely interested in the stories or the tales, whatever it was, of a blowhard narcissist, period. Reply. The end. That was it. That little sentence. That little email. And I thought, he's going to see it, probably think that Patrick Gallagher's a jerk, and then remove me from his mailing list, and that would be the end of it. Uh-huh. That was, that was it. That was all. And I was sitting on my side porch, and I remember just being like, whatever, I'm done. And that was it. Somebody asked me, actually, a day or two later, I was, I was talking to somebody, and they were like, oh, hey, did you see that email from Blaine? I was like, yeah. Uh, actually, anyway. <laughs> That's where all this started. And that is where the current saga starts. Like, everything that I just told you was the prequels. We, mm. We've just moved into the OG part of the story, okay? Right. And so, Star Wars style, you know? And so, here it is. A couple hours later, I think. It might have been the same night. Maybe it was the next morning. Either way, I get a text message from a buddy. He says, hey, man, Ron Bum is bashing you online or something like that. I was like, what? He says, yeah, it's a screenshot of some email that you sent him. Really? Oh, man. And would you like to know why I went, oh, man? Because right after I sent that email, my internal editor, which I have a real hard time turning off as an English teacher, my internal editor cringed that I wrote the phrase blowhard narcissist because it would have been better if I had written narcissistic blowhard. And that was an edit that I would like to be entered into the record if it was all possible, dear internet and world. Okay. I regret that email <laughs> because I would have rather said narcissistic blowhard instead of blowhard narcissist. It just, it's, it's, it rolls off the tongue easier and I just like it better. Adjective first. Anyway. Blowhard really isn't a great adjective before narcissist. Anyway, I, so I do regret that email because I said blowhard narcissist instead of narcissistic blowhard. And I just want to be, I want to be on the record right. as saying that I regret that email. Duly noted. In that, in that regard, I regret that phrasing in that email. I, <laughs> but as with so many things in this world, you, you can't just delete it. You know, you can't take out, the, take back the words once you've said them. Mm -hmm. And the internet, despite the efforts of some, never forgets. So anyway, he posts this on there, and he makes this statement, he's like, hey, what about this? I'm just trying to spread some love in the world, and this is what you get in return. You know, I didn't even know what a narcissist was. I had to look it up, lol. I thought somebody was calling me a racist. <laughs> and nine out of ten men say I blow just right was the post that he made in Florida Ultra Runners. And you know what I did, Rob? I went, are you fucking kidding me? And that was it. That was it. Just let it be. Yeah, I was like, dude, whatever. I was sitting there thinking, that's what you've got time to do today? Okay, whatever. And, I, and actually, like a couple other people sent me, because they all, you know, people know I'm banned and blocked, and I can't see what he does online. You know, I, I may have told that story to a few people. Anyway. Um, they send me for, you know, screenshots, shots, shots. I can't, I'm, I'm working on that. Anyway, they say, I'm going to, I keep mispronouncing. I'm not sure why. Anyway. So they're sending me these screenshots of these, uh, of these posts that, you know, and, and I was just like, whatever, man, seriously. And I didn't jump online. I didn't do anything. And I did nothing. I was like, cool, whatever. And I went on with my life. Okay. 
last Friday or so, someday, like Friday or Saturday, the internet will remember if I'm wrong, guys. Just look it up. Um, Ashley Hecklow, dear friend of my love Ashley. She's the race director of uh, the Death at Dupuis uh, backyard ultra here in Florida, Good uh, which is a, yeah, right. Which is a, a, a quote unquote golden ticket race, uh, golden coin race, really, I should say. Uh, but everybody calls it a golden ticket event. Um, anyway, so it's a golden ticket event for uh, Big's backyard, all this other stuff. And it's so, I love Ashley. I, she's amazing. And I love her to death. And she has similar opinions of Sean that I do. And, you know, having sat around after races and talked and things like that, his name comes up at some point. And uh, she had seen, you know, online things. And, and so she had been blocked and banned by him for, you know, defending Florida races and Florida race directors and, and things like that. So we, we shared that similarity. And uh, she sends me a message and she says, I can't believe what he did. And, and I got to say that I, I'm pretty sure that's what it said. But I, I remember very early on going, oh, what did Glenn do? I don't know why. I just, I just immediately, like, really, what happened? What did he do this and time? And she said, exactly. And I was like, oh, what kind of screenshot am I going to get now? You know? And so she says, he gave me a DNF for GDR. And I went, what? It turns out, Ashley and I didn't know each other in 2016. But Ashley and I actually ran Georgia Death Race together in 2016. And, uh, or I should say, at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh, Ashley finished DFL. She was the DFL that year. And you know what kind of, what that means, right? Like, man, the DFL is something super special. It is. You know, the dead, the dead effing last, right? Like, this is the person who you know, was out there, you know, fighting cutoffs, digging deep and just putting every bit of their soul in there. And they make the finish as the last official finisher to be DFL is a badge of honor. Yet another hill I will die on. If anybody ever tries to take that away from somebody who's DFL, I no, no, that's not okay. Yeah. And so that, that, that's a powerful thing. Talk about epic, right? Like you fight those cutoffs at something like Georgia Death Race and you make the cutoff, right? And uh, so she was the DFL that year. Her result had been changed to a DNF, a did not finish. He stole the designation of DFL from her not and instead cool. a DNF. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you look at my ultra sign up, one of my proudest race results on there is a DNF. I have a DNF for the Antelope Canyon 50 miler. You know why? Because I had a buddy who was racing it, who I was coaching, and he said, hey, come out and you can pace me. And I was like, absolutely. And, you know, and I went out to pace him and behind his back and through the generosity of some friends and things worked out, I got a full entry. And so instead of just pacing him for the last 25 miles, I, I got the, the honor and the privilege of, of being able to start with him and run the whole race with him. And he ended up uh, DNFing around mile 26 or 27, something like that. I forget the, the exact mileage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and, and he looked at me and he said, you know, you can go on. You can finish, you know, because you know, I had an official entry. Like, I, I was there officially as a runner. And I looked at him and I said, no. The I'm only reason I'm here, I'm here with you. Man, we crossed the finish line together. We DNF together. Either way, we're in this together. Right. And I got, I got in the van with them, and I went and turned in my bib. And, and you can look at my ultra sign up. That DNF is one of my absolute proudest results on that list, period. Yep. 
you know, going out there with Keith and doing that race, one of the truly special things in my life, something that I'm, I'm going to treasure for forever, honestly. So, um, and I'm not, so I'm not saying that a DNF is an inherently a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. Hell, I keep entering these backyard races where everybody DNFs, except for one person, right? right. So, you know, I go to Biggs, and I, I went to Biggs, and I got a DNF. You know, I went, I ran Death at the Plea this last year, I got a DNF. Every time you do one of it, I did the, uh, I don't, it still counts, right? The, uh, yeah, it does, quarantine, life in the time of COVID. I did the quarantine backyard, got a DNF. You know, DNFs are DNFs. But she didn't DNF. She was DFL. Right, which is a different... And he changed it. That's different. He was taking something away from her because he didn't like her. And I was livid. But that was Ashley's story. That's Ashley's deal. You know, I, I, I wasn't going to go jump on... I mean, I'm tempted to jump online and, and, and be upset about my friend being treated, you know, poorly. Uh, but that, that was, that's Ashley's deal. That's her deal. Yeah. You know, and, and I was I was there. I, I was going to support her, and I was will support her. I still support everything. I'm a supporter. There's a pattern in the things that I do, I guess. And so, you know, she commiserated with me by t- you know a few messages back and forth, back and forth, and then you know, and then I, I went. I had to do something else, and then later on, I, I thought about it again, and I you know just for I don't know weird curiosity, I was like, let me check my results. See if yours have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I checked my results. And my finish for the Georgia death race had been changed to a DNF. When you, in fact, finished that year. Yeah, I have the, uh, I have the, the spike. Uh, I have the results. I have the Strava. I have corroborating evidence from other uh, sites that aggregate finishing information and everything like that. And, and here's a real quick thing, because there's been a couple people in the course of this who have decided to post online. And, and more power to them, once again, if that's your opinion, that's your opinion, who are like, we shouldn't care so much about results. And, you know, anybody who spends so much time being worried about their ultra sign up is, you know, somehow a bad runner, a bad person. I don't know what they're insinuating, but they're saying, you know, if you care so much about ultra sign up, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Once again, I'm going to, it's just like the, the, that thing epic, right? Dude, if the thing that floats your boat, that, that, you know, just rocks your world is your ultra sign up and that gives you joy and that gives you drive and that's stuff you're proud of, more power to you. Everybody's got their own Seriously, I'm never going to bash somebody else's happiness and somebody else's drive. You know, does ultra sign up ultimately mean all that much to me? No, not really. I do so many, you know, underground kind of events or just stupid ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, like so many of those things that I'm super proud of that are amazing memories to me. I'm not on ultra sign up. Yeah, true. But here's one of the most salient points about all of this. There is a distinct difference when we sign up and hand over our hard-earned money for an event. That immediately makes it different than going out in the woods and doing something stupid and ridiculous with your friends. It's, that's, that's the whole, I mean, we can do all of the informal things we want, but ultimately, we as runners, we want that validation of an official event. You know what I'm saying? Like, I could run a marathon on any given weekend, and, and you know, and, and that's cool and fine, but there is something else about, like, towing the line and measuring your metal and seeing how you do against the clock and then having it good, bad, ugly, written in stone, like it's done, there it is. And yeah, when you die, no one's going to remember. Yeah, but you know what? They're mine, and I'm alive, and I remember. Yeah. So to all the people who have different opinions about this, 
I'm not saying you're bad in, in, in holding these opinions. I'm going to disagree with you, though, when you, you phrase it in ways that take away from other people's experiences. I don't think that's okay. No. And, and I think that that's a really, really important distinction. I, there are plenty of people I don't agree with, and that's fine. But when you start trying to take away things from other people, that's, call me weird, whatever. That's one of my ingrown ethics. That, you know, no, you can't take things away from other people. It's just not right, which I thought most of us learned in kindergarten, right? Like you can't steal somebody's G.I. Joe. Like that's not cool. Don't take things from other people. Right. That's not okay. Phrase it differently, guys. You can express just about any, you know, kind of thought on this topic in a way that doesn't take away from other people's experiences. Yeah. Man, if somebody else hangs their hat on their ultra sign-up ranking, if that's what gets that guy through that day, and that's what that person uses for motivation to achieve great things, man, that's fantastic. Yeah. So anyway, just, just to address, because there's been some, you know, people like da-da-da-da-da. And so then the next step, now it's me. And now I feel like now I can enter this conversation because he did it to me. You now remember, I'm fight. still right, exactly. And I'm being driven by how, uh, the, the expletives that I would love to use, right? How livid I was that he just even symbolically took that DFL away from Ashley, right? Because you make the argument, well, she still did it, and your ultra sign up didn't. No. And the, the thing about it was that it was done out of spite. Yeah. It was done out of spite because he didn't like Ashley's opinions, so he tried to take away her finish. And now I had a dog in the fight. And now I could post about it from my point of view. And so people have also said, it should have been private, should have been, you know, should have handled this offline. That's how bullies continue to bully. Because they can hide in the darkness. That's right. There's no spotlight on them. That's right. Bullies continue what they're doing, whether they hide behind an anonymous name on Twitter or whatever it is, right? They get power because people do it, you know, don't hang on to them or don't, you know, hold them accountable for their things. And then what also happens is that the victims feel isolated because, you know, they're alone in this. Because, you know, if they speak out, and in Sean's case, he has some people who are pretty dedicated followers. And if you spoke out about him, they would jump on you mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and bully you out of Facebook groups and out of all sorts of things. And you know, social media, you shouldn't care. Oh, God, guys, come on. Can we stop with that type of counter argument? It means something. You know, if you have a community online and now you don't feel comfortable posting in that community anymore and that was something that was important to you that's not okay yep you get your kick somewhere else once again don't take away other people's coping mechanisms joy whatever the hell you want to call it just don't take away other people's things and so because sean does so much online and now it was it was an ethics violation i paid in part not in this wasn't the whole thing but in part i paid for those results I paid for the accurate record keeping. Once again, good, bad, ugly, whatever. I paid for the accurate record keeping of that event. By taking my money, we entered into a contractual, if you will, agreement as a serv- that he as a service provider and me as a customer, that he was going to provide a service. And he whether is you now, finished or not. Whether I finished or not, whatever, the DNF, once again, my DNF for Antelope Canyon, good, bad, ugly, what, once again, I love it, and it's whatever, but it's accurate. That's part of what I paid my money for. And Sean has no problems charging a lot of money for his events. They're not cheap. No. So he took a lot of money, and I, I don't make a lot of money, okay? 
I'm a public high school teacher, a divorced dad with two kids. I don't have a lot of money. So when I throw a couple hundred dollars down on the table for an event, I have some expectations for the level of service that I'm going to be rendered. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone should. And I think about that honestly. I don't charge anywhere near as much as Sean. But when people pay for gate to gate, I feel morally, ethically obligated to make sure that they get what they pay for. So anyway, I made a post in Florida Ultra Runners, and I I was very specific about this. And I said, you know, like something, you know, strange has been brought to my attention. And I gave a quick little backstory that I'd finished GDR and, you know, and now my results have been changed to a, a DNF. And, uh, you know, and it was, it was straightforward. And I said, and, and I want people to know about this because, you know, when you're making a choice for signing up for races, you should know whether or not the race director is going to keep accurate records or if he's going to at some point, because remember this happened, my, my finish at, and Ashley's finish and, and Brooke and ugh, God, don't even get me started. There, there's actually more people who have now seen the story who've gone back and checked their ultra sign up. And it turns out that Sean's been doing this as a pattern. Mm-hmm. So here's a little thing guys. And, and I, I've actually been told by a bunch of people that, you know, once I read your story, I went back and I checked my results just to be sure. Yeah. It's called the Blanton check now, I guess. All right. <laughs> so go back and you got to Blanton check your records. You know, Blanton check your races. If you did a, a GDR or any run bum event, you need to go Blanton check those. Just make sure it's accurate. I'm just saying, because now there is absolutely irrefutable evidence that he has no qualms changing your results. And that's not okay. That's unethical. And I said, no, it's unethical. And that's what I said in my post. And I said, I didn't, I wasn't looking for drama when I woke up this morning, but I found out that my race results had been changed and that's not okay. Not by a long shot. Nowhere in that post that I bash Sean, nowhere in that post that I tell people don't run his races, which is a claim that he made. And I saw a screenshot and it was like, he was making this claim that I did that. And no, I didn't, man. It was an online Yelp review. And as a paying customer, I have every right to share my experience of my experience at your paid event. Don't at me and say, you kept this personal and, you know, shouldn't have done this online. You know, one guy called me douchey for putting it online. Shut What? Give me a break, man. Seriously. Once again, this is how bullies continue to do what they do right because then you get shamed you get shamed for calling them out no man stop guys stop it i can i can post about it if you don't like that i posted about it i respect that if you would have handled it differently i respect that man cool that was not the way i chose to do it there's zero zero things wrong with what i did it was an online review of a customer who was wronged and i didn't bash him i didn't use profanity i didn't do anything i didn't Whatever. It was just the facts. These were facts, man. And and I wanted I was very clear about that. I wanted that to be sure that everybody didn't just write me off as some disgruntled runner, you know? Yeah, I don't like Sean. Okay. Other people apparently agree with me. Um anyway, it's just anywho, you know, it was so weird some of the responses. But I digress. The over immediately after I posted it, the overwhelming response was what the actual are you talking about? Is this even real? Just like everything else in the time of COVID. Is this real? <laughs> like Is this real life? Is this real? Like he went back and changed your results. And by the way, I I I'm gonna point something out because some people are like, Yeah, you did this to get attention. 
No, I didn't. No, don't care. I put it inside Florida Ultra Runners because I was like, I'm just going to share this with the other people in Florida who know me. And I didn't use Ashley's name. I didn't use anybody else's name in that post on purpose because their story is their story. It's not mine to tell. Mm-hmm. My story. You shared and your I, own I experience. And I said, and apparently he's done this to other people. That's what I said. Right? So it starts to gain traction and it, you know, it, you know, it gets a little popular there in the sense of like a lot of responses and a lot of people, you know, sharing opinions and sharing support, you know, saying that's just wrong. It's just, it's wrong for a race director to do that to you. And so I was like, well, there we go. Here's my post. It's done. I got it off my chest and, and maybe now, you know, we'll get our, our results reinstated, you know? So the next day, I wake up and I get another screenshot in my email uh, from a friend who says, hey, your, your result isn't a DNF anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. It was now a DQ. Which is something completely different. Right. Now, because some people had originally tried to, you know, say, well, maybe it's a glitch in the system. Maybe Sean didn't do it. it was one of the early defenses that people were throwing out. Now it's not a glitch. Now it's not something going on, you know. And by the way, that, calling it a glitch is an insult to Mark at Ultra Sign Up. The Ultra Sign-Up doesn't have glitches like that. That man, that man works really hard to, to keep that site running and, and to provide the service that he provides. And that, that's just crap, man. You know? No. And so anyway, by that day, the DQs now. And, so, and now there was another woman, it turns out, her, her name's Brooke, um, you know, and who had a similar experience. And now she's finding out that, you know, her results had been changed. And she ran a different race, um, Cloudland Canyon. And, and Sean had DQ'd her from that race. So now it's a pattern. It's not just me and Ashley that he has it out for. And so now it's a DQ. And a DQ is, in fact, such a very different thing. A DQ is a sign of malfeasance uh, of, some, of some sort. You, you cheated. That's like the number one reason for a disqualification. You cheated. Uh, you did something unethical during the race. You behaved poorly. You are not a good person to race with mm-hmm. in the sense of there were rules. And we have to remember this whole running thing is, is so esoteric, right? Because we come up with these ridiculous rules and ridiculous distances. And, 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 and then we go and we follow these random ass rules, right? Why is a marathon 26.2 miles, 42.195 kilometers? It makes no sense in either system of measurement. Why? Because the queen wanted the runners to run in front of Buckingham Palace when the race was in London. The, the, the whim of a monarch now states that we run 26.2 miles. It was not the original distance from Marathon to Athens and Jeopardy's. <laughs> it was actually much shorter. You know, it's arbitrary. And because of the colonialism, imperialism in England and the early 20th century, yada, 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 26.2 became the standardized distance. And so now we all throw ourselves up against the friggin' wall, running from the birch or whatever you want to do, for 26.2 miles, it's random. But we agree on it. We agree. This yeah. is what you're going to do. And we agree we're going to do it on foot and we're going to do it. Every race distance is arbitrary as hell. It doesn't matter. It makes no... Anyway, you do a DQ, you didn't follow our rules. 
Whatever those rules are, you sign up, you look at the rules, and that's on you as a runner to make sure that you've read those rules and that you follow those rules. And this can also that's reflect on, on a on a race that you may want to sign up for, right? Right. You know, you know, some of the race directors may look at that, you know, and they're like, eh. And I mean, if you and and by the way, at this point, GDR, which I hadn't mentioned, had achieved the status of what was known as a, a golden ticket race for Western states. So it wasn't only just a Western states qualifier anymore. Since I had run it in 2016. And maybe even in 2016 it was. I don't remember. I, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to get a golden ticket to Western States. Um, and, and that means that the top finishers skip to the front of the line uh, in the qualifying uh, system, that they get an auto entry into the big dance. It's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, you, if you're trying to apply for Western States, so right, a, a race director is going to look at these results. And so if I finish, you know, GDR and let's say I, I annoyed Sean. In between GDR and the lottery, which would be the lottery is in what? December, and you've got until like November to do your qualifier. So you know, there's time, apparently, to offend Sean in, you know, months. So let's say I run GDR in March. It's traditionally in March. And over the summer, I do something that makes Sean mad at me. Insert whatever reason he has. And he goes back and gives me a DQ for my Western States qualifier. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal, you know? And, uh, well, he's never done that. Yeah, but now we've proven that he could. Right, guys? It's proved. It's proven. The guy could do it. He has done it. And I'm not the only one. So, therefore, there you go. So, it's a big deal that, yes, yes, other race directors, especially if you're talking about something like a Western States qualifier, a golden ticket race, other race directors are going to look at it. And also, just other runners are going to see a DQ and they're going to, you know, they're going to wonder it. If nothing else, like, hey, what happened? And maybe it was an honest mistake, but that is still on you as the runner. You messed up. You were supposed to read the rules and follow them. Whatever random rules they were, you agreed to them when you towed the line. To quote Violent Femmes, this is on your permanent record. This go go down on your permanent record. It's exactly right. <laughs> you can't even delete it. Not even a little bit. Anyway, so... You go, and, and, and now, so it, it's a big deal now. But now he's, turn, he's DQ'd me, and Ashley, and Brooke, and now it's a thing. Because I, apparently somebody had been sending him screenshots of us and our posts, and so he got mad at us, and for retribution, he changed our results to DQs. He tried to say that, well, DNF affects their ultra sign-up ranking, so I changed it to a DQ, because that wouldn't affect their ultra sign-up ranking. Shut up. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I refuse to believe that line of thought. Every single person, especially a race director, there is such a huge difference between a DNF and a DQ. Absolutely. Once again, I would never be proud of a DQ that I earned. Uh, because either I made a mistake or whatever. Or I, 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 you know, I cheated. I would certainly never be proud of that, right? right. So now it's a DQ, and it was obvious now he's doing it he hasn't, he hasn't repented and just changed our results. Now he's doubling down on it. So enter phase two. Phase two. Of this saga. Phase two of the saga. I make a post on my Facebook page outside of Florida Ultra Runners because now this is an issue beyond Florida Ultra Running. And so I posted very similar wording. Once again, I did, never said for people to not run his races. I never badmouthed him. I, any, every single thing I said was absolutely factual. And I said, you know, this has now happened to me, and now he DNF'd, he gave me a DNF, and now he's changed it to a DQ, which is absolutely different. And it's absolutely not okay. 
and I took a screenshot of my DQ and uh, and uh, posted that. So it is the time of COVID. Apparently, there are viruses there, and things go viral. So uh-huh. my my post, which honestly I didn't thought was going to be that big of a deal in the. I honestly thought, you know. You'd get some attention and maybe finally he would turn it around, or at least it would be on your permanent record, Mr. Blanton, since it was on my Facebook page and he couldn't delete it, right? But he did this to somebody, right? People start, other runners who have the same feelings that I do about, you know, we, we pay for those results. Like, those, these results are important to us. Mm-hmm. You know, start chiming in. And it gains a lot of traction. And some, some people who I have a lot of respect for who have been in this business for a long, long time and exemplary records, you know, chimed in saying how utterly ridiculous this was. And so also at that time, now that it had been changed to a DQ, I was like, you know what? Western States needs to know about this. You know, Hoka, the sponsor of the Golden Ticket Series, they need to know that a race director who in part is marketing his events using their names because it's right there on his page all over the place. Heck, if I was a race director for a Western States qualifier, it would be the very first thing on the page. Absolutely. And every race director knows that, that if you get Western States uh, qualifier uh, on your event, that, that lends gravitas to your event. That uh, lends legitimacy to your event. It, it's it, a it, badge people of honor. Run it. It's a badge of honor, and it drives sales, right? Like yeah. people sign up because there's only so many, uh, you know, uh, Western States qualifiers and the fact that you have to keep requalifying every year creates, you know, the need for those qualifiers. And so I thought, you know, they need to know. And my thought process was, and I, and that he, he just should not be a Western States qualifier or uh, be part of the Hoka uh, golden ticket series. You know, it, it's just, no, doing something like that, you should not have that level of prestige as a race director. No. And so that's what I thought, you know, like getting my results reinstated now, in all honesty, went way to the back burner. I was like, you know what? I don't even, I don't even care if they get reinstated at this point, you know? Now it's, it's not about that anymore. Now it's all about, it's, it's about this ethical violation and, and this idea that you can just punish people mm-hmm. by taking away their results because you don't like them. And just Over. putting a spotlight on that behavior. Right, and that's what it was. And, and once again, man, it went back to an email where I wrote one sentence like, you're going to give me a DQ because four years after the fact, I called you a blowhard narcissist? Oh, come on, man. Really? That's not okay. No. That's ridiculous. And I, and I, I think that, uh, you know, I sent an email to the uh, race director of uh, Western States, and he was kind enough to respond. You know, and even by then, that was... Monday morning, I think I got an email back from him. Um, he even said, and he, he's, he's, I'm sure he's copying and pasting, you know, his response because he said, you know, um, my inbox is filled with hate mail uh, about Sean. And uh, he said, he said, I'll quote him, changing the result of a runner for personal issues the director has with said runner is unconscionable and childish. I'm not going to defend his actions. And, and that's it. And I, and, I, and I appreciate very much um, that, uh, uh, you know, Craig Thornley said that openly about what Sean did. Mm-hmm. And so there you have it, right? And I figured, you know what, when I got that email, I was like, well, the writing's on the wall, you know, 
he's probably going to lose his his uh, golden ticket status. And you know, and I hadn't I didn't hear anything back from Hoka or anything, but I just figured, you know, he's causing the race director this much hassle. It's just not worth it. And I felt bad for Craig, and I even said that in the email. I really I do. I felt bad that Sean's actions had now disrupted his life. You know, he didn't wake up that day uh, wanting his inbox overflowing with uh, mm-hmm. people. You know going on about what Sean did and that's on Sean that's on Sean that's he he brought that on himself he caused that chain of events yeah and so it is Sean's fault if somebody's email inboxes is blowing up because people felt moved to contact these organizations for the once again 100% factually documented things that Sean did then that's on Sean man that's on Sean this is it's it's not somebody not a, not very many people. Once again, somebody you know was like, oh, you know, cancel culture. This is not cancel culture, man. This is a direct response to a very uh, a once again 100% proven thing. So at this point, Sean hadn't made any public comments or anything like that. Um, and then you know, then I wake up the next day. Next day, I wake up and my results are not the DQ anymore. Now they've just been deleted, gone. I was never there. Okay. Ashley broke other people. Now it's gone. Now they're deleted because, you know, Sean, I guess, I'm, I don't know for a fact, that's what I'm saying. I'm guessing. I guess, Sean, you know, this was like, fine, I'll just delete it then. Because uh, I'm going to say this based on a series of events. Um, he has that uh, a tendency to react that way, that he'll just delete things uh, from the Internet. And so he just deleted our results. Right, exactly. And so now, so to be very clear, because sometimes this has been encapsulated that I was upset because he deleted my results. No. First he changed it to a DNF. Then he changed it to a DQ. Then he deleted it. This is, he had chances at each one of those steps to stop and reconsider and do the right thing. And he consistently chose to escalate the situation or to, to just make it worse for himself. It just doubled down at every turn. Exactly. And it, come on, you know, this, uh, is this even real? Once again, like, is this real? Now he's deleted my results? Like, that's going to stop the problem? No, that's not how it works, my friend. No. Uh, that's not so how we get resolution. Now, right. And so now it's a whole thing. Oh, by the way. And so now he posts an apology of sorts. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't. It, it didn't have any of the hallmarks of a of an acceptable re- apology for the situation. And and there's literally scientific research that has been done to <laughs> nail down like what makes an apology. If, because everyone's got an apology, right? Where you just it didn't feel right, and you weren't sure why, but it just it felt hollow or wrong or it wasn't enough. Well, researchers. Wanted to know what makes an effective apology, and they research. And this, is, <laughs> this is the thing. There's there's this process called scientific research. Uh. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Um, wow. Where yeah, where there's experiments, and then the experiments are reproduced, and then they're fact checked, and they're peer reviewed, and and it goes through this whole entire process. And and there's actually this process. I mean, it, someone out there now listening might be surprised, but there's a process. <laughs> Uh, by which these conclusions uh, are are made. And so anyway, um, it's not by YouTube committee. But anyway. He, um, <laughs> and at some point, didn't he ask all of, all of the people that were upset with him to reach out to him? Right. Rather? In this quote-unquote apology, 
he's like, I already reached out. First of all, I hadn't heard from him since he screenshotted my um, email. And oh, and that night he wrote me like another thing. I don't know why you've got so much hate. And he's like, I don't even know you. I saw a photo of you. And I was like, oh, that's that guy I've seen at so many races who's so full of hate. You know, it's going to destroy you, man. This apology was incomplete. And I'm an English teacher and I analyze things for a living. So I, I found the research and I responded and I, and I, and I didn't. I said very simply, I said, if there is anyone who sees this and, and thinks that this isn't a full um, apology, uh, here's why. Like, here's the research, why you would feel uh, like that. And I, you know, and I went through and I, and I just pointed out the very, very beginning of what he said. Like, no, you didn't delete. And one of the main things for an apology is that it has to be accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to accurately apologize. He says, I'm sorry, I took the low road. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. It's horribly subjective. That's not a hallmark of a good, I mean, sure, it could be an intro line, but what does that mean? I took the low road. What does that mean? How about I broke an ethical code of race directors. There, now we're talking. That's accurate. <laughs> Here's what I done did. You know, I took the low road, um, and uh, and then he said, uh, and I deleted the results. No, Sean, that's not accurate, man. It was first a DNF, which was weeks ago. Oh, but he didn't even tell us. We found out by accident, right? You Just, apologize because you mean it. Right, because you screwed up and, and you want to, you know, make amends. Right, exactly. So, you know, even coming back to that point, if you have an ulterior motive and your ulterior motive is you just want the other person to forgive you, then that takes away from the effectiveness of your apology. I'm just, it, this is just, everybody has had these inside feelings of like why an apology wasn't right or it didn't feel right. Well, once again, science has told us exactly why. <laughs> Thanks, science. Thanks, science. It's for breakfast. Anyway. So I uh, post about that, and, you know, at this point, poor Mark from Ultra Sign Up is, is getting inundated with email, and I feel so sorry, and I feel a lot of empathy, and, and I, really, I really do empathize with all the people who have been drawn into this mess because they were somehow in Sean's circle. It's not their fault, all right? It is Sean's fault. He was the one who did these things. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's not Western states fault. They didn't know. They're just finding out, yep. you know, it, it's not, you know, they got to give them time to process and react and figure out what to do about the situation. You know, the downside of the internet is everybody wants right now. God, give, give them time. It's got to happen right this second. You know? Right. Somebody, you know, was posting and be like, well, Jason Green at Yeti is like Sean's best friend. Dude. We have all, and, and, and Jason, you know, at one point tried to, you know, you know, tamp down the flames, which, you know, a friend, should, you know, will do, right? And he didn't have all the details just yet, and, you know, he was trying to just say, hey, guys, calm down. And, uh, and I told him, I said, Jason, you don't have a dog in this fight, man. This isn't about you. Mm -hmm. And if you're Sean's friend, we have all had a friend who we had to look at and go, no, that's not okay, man. And you can still love that person and simultaneously say what they did was terrible and wrong and I don't condone it and I don't agree with it and everything. We've all been there yep. where we've had a friend and somebody who we believed in or respected or trusted, loved, who then goes and does something colossally wrong. And it's not our fault that we were friends with them. 
So, or business, you know, once again, market ultra sign up, man. It's not his job to police results. You know, I'm a, I'm a customer of ultra sign up for my races, right? Mm-hmm. That's not his job. That's, that's my job to police the results and make sure the results are accurate. It's on Sean, not him. And having the feature in there to be able to go back and change results, you know, there could be a problem. It could have been a problem with the timing, mats. It could have been a problem with this. There could have been, you know, a couple of days after the race, legitimate evidence comes out that somebody cheated, you know. So having the ability to go back and change race results should have been a thing because who would abuse that? <clears throat> who would abuse that? And I'm... so now... <laughs> Mark had to create a new rule, Blanton rule, that you can't, if you're a race director, you can't go back and change historical records. But the fact that that had to be turned into a rule, we've all, we've <laughs> all been someplace where we saw some ridiculous rule on the wall and thought, you know why that rule is there, right? Because <laughs> right. somebody... Somebody. Somebody did that, you know? Right. You know, there's a big sign that says, don't pee on this electric fence. And you're like, why is that sign? Oh, because somebody, somebody, went, somebody went and did it, right? But you wouldn't think you needed to post the rule, but mm, now we need the rule. And so the Blanton rule uh, is now in effect at Ultra Sign Up for all race directors that we can't go back and change historical records. So Mark has done everything he, he could and once again, I felt bad for him. People are tagging him on Facebook and going, uh, ultra sign-up should fit. No, guys. No, 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 no. No, I, I, I politely and emphatically disagree with you. It is not Mark's deal. And I feel bad that Mark's inbox blew up with people, you know, uh, being upset. And, and rightly so. And once again, there were other people who came out of the woodwork who, who saw their results had been changed. And now Mark is having to do damage control because of Sean's actions, mm-hmm. period. This is Sean's actions that caused this chain of events. And the current chain of events would not have started if he hadn't, if he had just deleted my email and unsubscribed me from his, from his listserv or whatever, seriously, yeah. whatever, you know? And so now it's getting to be a big thing. But now the next day after this apology, he posts a Tiger King meme in which he says, I tried drugs, I tried kinky sex, and I've deleted ultra sign-up results. And his text is like, because I got this by a screenshot, his text says above it, well, all that's over, let's get back to it. Like, dude, like, he's like, I apologize, it's good, let's go. No, that's not how it works, man. You didn't apologize for what you did. I, I've already laid out the very, very specifically what makes a good apology, and mm-hmm. you didn't apologize for what you did. And no, you don't get to, to and this dictate is the thing the about bullies. Exactly. You don't get to dictate what other people do. You don't get to say, the people I've wronged, now you have to move on and shut up. Because once again, no one is under an obligation to accept an apology. And you don't get to tell somebody how they react to you. You don't get to do that. That's not okay. So man, every day, just he's adding to it and adding to it and adding to it and kicking the hornet's nest. Also, by the way, right around this time, we found out about giant Asian hornets, a.k.a. murder hornets. Mm-hmm. So uh, he is now kicking murder hornets' nest by, you know, doubling down on this. Yep. Because, and then 
And I'm not going to speak to this very much because, once again, it's not my story to tell. But people felt that since I was making this public in a way that Sean couldn't dictate the narrative, they saw this as a, a chance to get their stories heard. Because a lot of these people had tried to get their stories heard before. And they had been shouted down and deleted and silenced and shamed. And they felt alone and isolated and embarrassed and all these types of things. Because then it starts getting in your head. Well, maybe I shouldn't have reacted that way. All of that stuff, right? And you mm -hmm. shame victims. Victim shaming, that's what it is. Yep. And so some women have, have been brave enough, despite, you know, in, 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 in light of, I should say, the way that they had been treated in the past to share their stories of the way that Sean treated them and behaved toward them and the things that he said and, and everything like that. And once again, that's not my story to tell, uh, but I'm, I'm going to do everything in my power since somehow through the random quirk of the internet and the age of COVID, I somehow have now been given this opportunity by my post that a lot of people are paying attention, that a lot of people are listening. And, and if they can use that themselves to be heard and to be able to find some sort of peace and closure, I can't tell you how much that affects me to think that, that out of this, that someone out there who had been dealing with some really, really terrible emotions and feelings and, and, and memories, and, and they can find some sort of peace in this process no. because of that. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I take no credit for it. It's not my story. And, and, I'm, and, and I, I'm just going to say it like that, I guess. I don't, I don't really, I don't have much more to add to that beyond that. It's just, it's not my story. They'll tell their stories, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that they feel safe yeah. to share their stories. So just I'm going to mention it as the as a periphery that now there are women coming forward with absolutely credible statements because screen shots are a thing. <laughs> oh boy. And Sean had a predilection for sending messages over the internet that can be saved mm -hmm. by a process called a screenshot. I was I was just apparently it's a new thing to some people. But oh. you know yeah, and so now, and they, they found that my post was a, a place where they felt like they could finally share the, this, this stuff, you know, because before they've been sure, you're just out to get them, you're just jealous, and you're just this. You're just and a disgruntled runner. Right, and shouted down and shamed. And now they have a safe and platform. They have, they have a platform to do that, and, and that's not me. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do that in that sense. Like, that's not, I'm, just on, I'm, I'm just moved very deeply that out of this, there, that is, that's a, a result. Mm -hmm. So that's been happening on the periphery, and, and Sean is now making sexual jokes still, and sexual innuendos still, even though these, these women's accounts have, have now been heard, still doing it, and bragging about deleting people's results. He keeps doubling down. Like, it's, yeah. it's mind up. Is this even real? <laughs> right. At and some then, point, then, you would hope somebody would kind of come to their senses and say, you know what, I need to start fixing some things. Yeah, maybe, just maybe, have some self-reflection in there and start thinking, you know what, maybe that was 
not the way to handle the situation, mm-hmm. right? And so then, uh, that's the hope. No, right, exactly. And if, and if somebody does it, let, let's say somebody gets called up for something that they did, and they say you are absolutely right, I screwed up in this way, and you say exactly how you screwed up, and you own it, and you say. I'm, what can I do to right my wrong? And you listen open-heartedly and, and you then act. Mm-hmm. No one is going to fault you for that. Yep. You could still have consequences, by the way, and, and this is another thing. You, you still have to face the consequences, right? They're, they're even just because you apologize doesn't mean there's no consequences, right? Like, like if, I, if I were to be, I don't know, give me something, let's see. If I were to be... <sighs> I don't know. Let's say I was, I was, uh, I, oh, I got into a car accident. Let's say I got into a car accident, my ba- like my fault. Okay. I get into a car accident. Um, I'm not paying attention and I hit somebody else. Okay. I turn on a, on a, a red light or I, whatever, something, my fault. You don't get, I don't get to say, Hey man, I'm really sorry to the judge, to the victim, to everybody else, to the DMV, to my insurance company, to the attorneys. I don't just get to say, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I took the wrong road. I don't get to say that. And then, and then get like, and then walk away. <laughs> I, I took the low road. <laughs> I don't get to say, I don't, that's not how this process works. Like, you don't, you don't get to just say, I'm sorry. And everybody else has to now follow your narrative. And that's abusers control the narrative. Anytime they can. Mm-hmm. It, it's just what bullies and, and, and abusers do. The term gaslighting, right? Where, where they, they control the narrative and make the victim feel like they're wrong and make the victim question how things actually happened. This is, this is once again, documented by science. Like, this is what abusers do. And that's exactly what Sean has been doing. He has been practicing cancel culture. He has been canceling people's stories. He has been canceling... Uh, uh, people's narratives and, if, and, and canceling out the effects that he has. If somebody says, I, I was hurt by what you did. Shut up. You're just being weak. Or, I don't know. I, right. He would you're have used much more. He would have, exactly. But he would have used a much more derogatory term, more than likely based on evidence, mm-hmm. a misogynistic type term, right? Because it's laced in all of his language, you know, this profanity and this this and this that, because he just feels that like that makes me authentic and real. I don't have a filter. I just say it like it is. Yeah, you know, sometimes you need a filter or there will be consequences. Right. Okay. You can't go into your boss and tell your boss to go F himself and then be like, yeah, man, I just tell it like it is. Right. You don't get to keep your job. (laughs) You're going to get fired. Yeah. I have, I have this little test in my life when I, when I want to judge whether or not something is wrong. It's one, you know, one area of, that I that I look at. I ask myself, would I get fired? <laughs> it's a it's a little test, but it, it, it's really, really, really useful. Uh-huh. Okay, so would I get fired if? Okay? <laughs> and as a public school teacher, I'm held to a higher standard than a lot of other professions, and I understand that. I signed up when I signed up. I was aware of that. Mm-hmm. I get held to a higher standard. Okay, someone could make the argument that if. Um, like if I do, if I say the wrong thing in class, I can lose my job. Yeah. Done. Plenty of teachers have said terrible things in class that they lose their job. Boom. Done. You know, um, even outside of school, if I, if I do something, it's, um, 
there's a clause in my contract that if I behave, you know, in a way that is unbecoming of a teacher in the community, I can lose my job. Yeah. So if I, if I get into a, I don't know, like a drunk driving accident or something like drunk driving or drug conviction or something like that, I stand to lose my job because I have that responsibility of working with children. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I, I accept that responsibility. So I, I, I use my profession as the litmus paper test in that sense. Would I get fired? So would I get fired if I were to, in writing, I'm just going to pull an example out, okay? Random example. Would I get fired if I put in writing that I was mm, ranking my female colleagues on a scale of attractiveness? Right. Like, let's say I were to give them a number from zero to ten. Mm. And I were to put that in writing and then call that teacher by that number that I've now assigned to them. It if I were to do six. interesting choice of numbers, I yeah. don't know if that was the one I would have chosen, you okay. know, out of 10 numbers, but uh, as an example, random. a random example, we'll stick with that. Okay? okay. So let's say I called somebody a six. Would I lose my job? Yes. Yes, yes I would. Uh, if I did that about my students, imagine that. Oh, that's a whole that another. That like, right? Imagine that, right? Like my, my, my students are my clients in a sense. So what if I did that to somebody, uh, you know, who is my student? And I was ranking my female students based on their attractiveness, and I put that in writing. Mm. It's not would I lose my job, it's how fast would I lose my job. That would be instant. Seriously. Like, they would walk down and ask me to step out of the room, they would put an administrator in my room, and then I would disappear. They would maybe, no, I know what they would do. They would let me come back after dark, literally, Mm. get all my things out of the room, and then never step foot on campus again. Right. Done. And right? we so probably I would, would never hear from you again. God, we would hope not. We would hope <laughs> that I wouldn't go online and start bragging about it. Um, <laughs> Gracious. I tried Kinky Six. I tried Jobs. I rated my colleagues on a numerical scale of attractiveness based on my own random subjective criteria. You, what? You know, it, that's, uh, it makes me ill just thinking about that stuff, right? Yeah. And so, you know, for example, another random example, would I get fired if, after the fact, I went back and changed my students' final grades? Four years after the fact. Yeah, for an example, you know, that maybe, you know, or I teach juniors, I teach freshmen, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, four years later, they're applying for college, and all of a sudden, they notice that their freshman English class, they got an F. Uh-oh. When, in fact, they got an A. And what if they had proof mm. that originally their grade was an A? Like their their old report card or something. Or some sort of documentation. Mm. Exactly. Right. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> so if they had so would I get fired if it turned out that I was in that as a pattern, I was going back and changing former students' grades because I didn't like them or like what they said. Mm. Would I lose my job? Yes. Y- uh, yes. That's a yes. And I and I should lose my job. Absolutely. Yeah. So yep. where are we at now? Where's this whole controversy yeah. at now? So today, the, the latest developments, right? Um, Sean is unrepentant. Uh, he's continuing on doing questionable things. He's, he's promoting a volunteer appreciation day on the trails. And he wants uh, 75 or more people, if needed, to show up and uh, be on single-track trails together with him uh, next month. 
And this, is, that's, uh, that, and this is during the time of COVID when we were supposed to be social distancing. Yeah, he just posted that yesterday or the day before, I think. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, trail work exonerates you from all misdeeds. If you have done trail work, right. nothing else matters. Because if you love the trails, you can do whatever de- deplorable and depraved things you want. That's exactly right. That's right. Okay. It, uh, that's Apparently, that's a logic that someone has. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And so that's where he is. Um, and I, I don't know what else he's doing these days. I, I'm sure I'm going to get some more screenshots at some point. Um, <laughs> it's only um, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. There's so many other things. Like I know we've been talking about this a long time, and and I I have I have felt the obligation that anytime anybody posts something that I I, I need to read it, and I need you know I I I put this out there so. In a sense, it, it's it's I I am in the center of this, and you know whether I like it or not, it's it's now I have a certain responsibility to stay engaged in it uh, because you know I can't just be like, all right, I'm done, cool, everybody, have a good day, I'm out of here. Just delete your post and be be done, and go do some trail work. Um, you know, <laughs> like that's it's not okay. You know, it, no, I'm in this and I'm in it till I'm, you know, I, I wrapped myself into it. It was my choice. I wanted to make that clear. I know what I did. And that's why I feel a responsibility, um, to stay engaged. Um, mm-hmm. because my actions had consequences and those consequences are now that I am in the middle of this, uh, controversy and I have to accept the consequences of my actions. And I do. And it has been utterly exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to sound like I'm throwing some sort of, you know, like, oh, what was me thing. I, I, I haven't been sleeping um, because, you know, once again, somebody reaches out to me and they need somebody to talk to, I'm not, I'm not going to say, hey, you know, I got to go to bed. Right. Um, and, I'm, you know, other people are making comments and other people are, are participating in this. And since, since I was at the epicenter of it and starting it, I, I feel an obligation. Mm-hmm. And then the stress of this is, is weighing heavily on me because it's so much. And there's so many things and there's so much happening and it's just everywhere and all the time and, and ever present. And, um, I had a, I had a panic attack last night. Um, yeah. I started gagging, uh, yeah. and I, I wasn't eating anything. I, I wasn't even eating. And, um, and, uh, I, I just, it's a consequence of my action and, and I'm, and I'm going to do it. And if there's one thing that, you know, running ultras has, uh, has taught us, right. That, um, it takes endurance. Yeah. to get to the finish line, right? It takes endurance to get there. And um, and when you have a bad spot in a race, you can, the old speed goat out there, he always used to say, uh, it never always gets worse. And uh, what you can do is you can, um, uh, you got you to gotta accept what's going on, you got to assess it, you got to act, and then you got to move on. You got to like keep moving, and then you got to act on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what you do. So you come into your aid station, you tell your crew, I got this problem, I got this problem, I got this problem. So, you know, this morning I needed to take a little time and, and going off and doing that little virtual thing um, was so much fun and I needed it so bad, Rob. It was needed a good release, so I'm sure. It really was, man. And that was my little aid station, yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, I changed my socks and I'm getting my calories right and I'm, I'm getting, making sure my hydration is okay, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm going to get back up and I'm going to I'm I'm sit down and I'm taking a little break and I'm, I'm, I'm getting my straight and then, and then I'm going to go to the finish. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, it's not going to be a DNF or a DQ. Yeah. I'm going to go to the finish. 
And, and you so, get to write the end of your own story. I do. Uh, you know, I do. And like I said, I'm going to be, you know, supportive of those people who, who have found this as an outlet for them to be heard. I, I, I'm never going to step down from that. I'm never going to walk away from, from them. Mm-hmm. Never. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> You're a good egg. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Love I'm, you, I'm man. fragile. I know. I know. I'm fragile. Like an egg. It's true. I get it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Rob. I love you. And I appreciate that. Yeah, man. And so here we are now at the end of, I thought we had set a record for your podcast before, but I think we, we blew this one out of the water, my friend. Yes. We blew this one out of the water. The last and final thing is that as of today, it was a official PR. statement. Right? Yeah. A new PR. Woo, DFL, man. This is the longest podcast that you have ever had. I have taken the longest. Yes. To finish one of your podcasts. All right. I got DSL. Somebody can, I'll put it out there. Anybody can come at me for it. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, so as of today, Western States uh, made it an official statement in less than a week since this broke, right? Less than a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that GDR is no longer a uh, golden ticket event and will not be a golden ticket event going forward. Um, they have not, as far as future, they've already released the, the races for the 2021 races. So many things have been messed up because of COVID. And some people, you know, they get a roll over the people who already got uh, entries. You know, they, they had a problem. They probably were hoping to have a few months to figure this out. And unfortunately, because of these events, because of Sean's actions, they had to accelerate that and, and, and make a statement now. And I'm sure they wanted to be able to have some more time to figure it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and Craig has said, and you know, that... If a result, if the results of an event um, are not reliable, then that's one of their considerations when they look at qualifiers. Yeah. And so they have not made any statements about qualifiers, and I don't expect them to. And, I'm, and, I, and I don't, you know, they, they should be able to do that in their own time. Uh, but he, he did say that reliable results is one of the criteria that they look at. And if a race has proven to have unreliable results, then... That's something they're going to consider. Right. And I respect that stance and the way that it's phrased. And I, and I know exactly why it's phrased the way that it is. And I think that, um, I think that they are doing great things, you know, and, and there's so many things about Western States that make it special. And I, um, I told, you know, Craig, when I talked to him, or rather when I wrote him the email, I said, you know, I said, I want to personally thank you, you know, for everything you do for our community and for continuing to, you know, uh, ensure the highest levels of sportsmanship uh, in our community. And, and I yeah. think Western States is doing that. And one of the things that they did in that way is to say that um, uh, the Georgia death race will not be a golden ticket race now or, or ever again. Right. And so the, the decision about qualifiers is that's their timeline, you know? Um, and, and I, and I would hope that everybody gives them the time they need to be able to, to do that. They're dealing with, you know, this, this whole COVID life too. give them a break. Yeah. So before so, we wrap up, yeah. is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. After what is it now? We've been on the phone for like three hours. And he's yeah. like, you got anything else to add? And with that, thank you for listening <laughs> to Between to Two this word vomit, To this word vomit of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Gallagher. Uh, I love you, Rob. Thanks for putting up for it with my uh, long-winded word vomity. Word salad. It was delicious. Uh, <laughs> mighty tasty salad dressing you've got here, Gallagher. Wow, interesting. <laughs> it has a certain pequence, I would mm. say. I love you. Soon, Bye, everybody who sat through this whole thing. I apologize, and I love you, too. All right, man. Thanks. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right, man. 